word of our Lord from Paul's second epistle to the Corinthians. If we are beside ourselves, it is for God. Or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed, but in all things we commend ourselves as ministers of God in much patience, in tribulations, in needs, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in fastings, by purity, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and yet behold we live, as chastened yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. Father, we pray that you would bless the reading of your holy word. We pray, dear Jesus, that you would give us ears to hear. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would minister to us through the holy word of God. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. It was Mark Twain. Imogene told me last night, you know, Mark Twain was a really good writer. Sorry, Lindsay. (laughs) I think she's enjoying him. (laughs) Um, It was Mark Twain who said, the two most important days in your life are the day you are born and the day you find out why. That idea really 
raises two very important ideas for us. The idea of where we've come from or the idea of origin. How do we get here? And the idea of where we're going or the idea of direction. Where do we go from here? Where are we trying to get to? We all have a story which is part of a larger story. The story of God's work in the world. The story of grace. The story of creation or setup, fall or upset, and redemption or reset. Part of our story concerns our origin, where we've come from, how we've gotten to where we are. And part concerns our direction, where we are going, where the grace of God is taking us. What does his what is his grace done in our lives? And what does his grace intend to do in our lives going forward? David has shared um, with you several ideas about aim and the direction that aim is is headed and the significance of the the association and, and its labors to become a church planting movement. And really, AIM is trying to develop uh, a church planting movement, not just a group of churches, not just a group of churches that, that happen to be surviving, but a, a movement of churches that are thriving and that are giving birth to other churches. Please forgive the pun, but we are aiming to develop our existing congregations, helping them to become healthier local churches who are thriving as they bring new people into the kingdom of God and grow them up as disciples. Part of that work is the development of leaders who are serving these churches, pastors, lay leaders, ministers working within the local body in varying degrees, some through music, some with youth and children, stewards, and so forth, leaders of all types. AIM envisions these congregations giving birth to other like-minded congregations because the work of God does not begin and end with us. It began somewhere else and it's gotten to us and, and it doesn't want to end with us. His work moves on. His work is always outward, always otherward. In this, the growing of disciples, the development of leaders, and the planting of new churches, AIM is trusting the Lord for exponential growth not just addition but multiplication Uh, the special that Lindsay sang and the the band played this idea of the, the work of one leading to another and the work of that one leading to yet someone else as, as that work begins to multiply the growth and the possibilities really do become exponential God is able to do all things. He is the Lord of the harvest and he desires to do much. After all, Jesus told his disciples that the Father, who is the Lord of the harvest, wants his church to bear not just fruit, but much fruit. Along with his 12 amigos, Jesus calls us to lift up our eyes unto the harvest. For it is not waiting to produce. No, it is ready for harvesting. Souls are ripe all around us. Our communities are filled with people who are starving for real food, dying of thirst for real drink. 
People who are craving the transformation of their lives. Who know that this life can surely be better. It can surely be more fulfilling. It can surely be more contented. It can surely be more joyful than it is. And more peaceful and more something. There must be something more people all around us are saying. They may not be saying it outwardly. They may be people who have never brought up God or religion or maybe even politics with us. People that we think they're, they're closed off. But, but we are surrounded by people who are increasingly more alone, increasingly more isolated, and increasingly more filled with a sense of helplessness and hopelessness and despair. And so Jesus tells us, lift up your eyes. Look around you. Look your neighbor in the eye. Pay attention to your coworker. Listen to the cashier. The fields are white for harvest. It's not what might happen four months from now, as Jesus said. It's not what might be possible. It's about what God is doing in our midst and wants to do more in us and among us and through us than we've even imagined. And that's where we fit in. Because Paul tells us that we are reconciled to God. Not just so that we can be reconciled to God. That's good enough. But that's not it. That's not the total package. That's not the full picture. Paul tells us that we are reconciled to God so that we can then be charged with the work of reconciliation ourselves. We are deputized by God as ministers of reconciliation, Paul says. He's made us laborers. He uses that phrase, we are working together with God. Not just in our own lives, you know, what we mentioned last week, he who has this hope in Christ purifies himself just as Jesus is pure. But not just in our own lives are we workers together with God, but Paul tells us that out in the fields of harvest, out in the, in the, the, the laboring world, we are workers with God. And so he's deputized us as ministers of reconciliation. He's not brought us in just so that we would be in. Yes, he wants us in, but that's not the end game. He has brought us in so that we might be sent out. Really, this, this coming and going, this picture of, of entering and departing, this, this, this idea of gathering around and then going back out, gathering and then scattering. This is what shapes even our worship every Sunday. Think about what we do. Think about the work of our acolytes. As Imogene and Ransom this morning brought in the light, reminding us that Jesus is the light of the world. Lindsay has appropriately taught the kids that the two candles remind us that He is both God and man. The two, the two candles represent His two natures. But the light is one, the same source of light. And so the light comes in reminding us that Jesus is the light of the world and reminding us that we are being brought in. We are being brought to the table. 
to the table of communion, the table of fellowship, so that we might feed, so that we might be fed, so that we might eat as we gather as his people. And at the end of the service, what happens? The candles that are in here are being distinguished, extinguished, not distinguished. I mean, you could, I guess, make a case for distinguishing. But these candles are extinguished and they're leading us back out into the world because we've been brought in not just so that we can be in we've been reconciled not just so that we can be reconciled we've been brought to the mountain of transfiguration with Peter, James and John not just so we can say boy it sure is good to be here let's build tabernacles one for you and you and you No, we've been brought in. We've been brought to the mountain. We've been brought to the table. We've been gathered so that we might take the light of the gospel out. We are brought into the table to eat, to be fed, so that we would have something as we're going out. Nourishment for us, but also something to share. Marshall Dagg, who's pastor of Harvest Point Methodist there in Alabama is participating also in AIM Multiplication Sunday. And I like they've got a theme um, that, uh, or a motto that kind of, kind of is on their bulletins and whatnot that is a very helpful reminding. We're, we're growing something to share. It's a very brief but beautiful image of what we do here, who we are, what God has made us to be is not just for ourselves. It's not just for us. It's for others. It's for our neighbors. It's for our coworkers. It's for people living without hope. People living without family. We comment often. Bill, I think, captures it beautifully when he talks about the stories that we as a people have to share. They're, they're so often stories about the family that we find here. The community, and community is not just some cliched term for us. It's it's something we really want to have and something we really want to develop. And we don't always do it well and we don't always do it, certainly don't always do it perfectly, but we all do have a sense of, of, of family together. But God does want the family to get bigger, not just so that we can have a big church or anything, because I don't think... I don't think that's the end game. I think the end game is that other people need to be brought into the family so that they can have family, so that they can be fed, so that they might know the joy of knowing Jesus. Too many of us, however, suffer from either spiritual anorexia or bulimia or obesity. All eating disorders. Too many of us don't show up for supper enough. We're anorexic. We don't eat enough. We think, oh no, I'm fine. I'm already too fat as it is. I don't need that. Others of us show up for supper and seem to rid it from themselves before they even reach the end of the green mile, Bill. We're headed down the hallway and somehow by the time we get to the doors, we forget what we've done here. We forget what we've been fed here. We forget the call to transformation and the call to a new life. When Monday morning shows up, we forget about Sunday because it's gotten out of our system. We've thrown it up. 
Then there are others of us who don't ever seem to exercise or share, but only overeat. And we're just feeding and constantly feeding and forgetting the fact that 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 feeding is to be exercised. It's to be spent. It's to be used and shared with others. But we're just hoarding the spiritual nourishment that we find. The Lord of the harvest, however, is looking for more disciples, more leaders, and more pioneers. Why? Because the church is in need of more disciples, more leaders, and more pioneers. And what's more is the world around us. The people out there are in need of more disciples, more leaders, and more pioneers. The world all around us, whether it's in the States, or in Haiti, in Japan, in Honduras, in Uganda, the entire world needs more disciples, more leaders, and more pioneers. This was Paul's work in the first century. Throughout the first century Roman world, Paul's work was not just preaching and proclaiming the gospel. His work was the work of planting, the work of growing, the work of, of, of tilling soil, of planting seed, of watering, pulling up weeds, working in the dirt. His work was not just proclamation. It was not just the sharing of his faith. It was the hard, laborious work of a pioneering planter. The hard work of one whose life had been captivated by and transformed by the Lord Jesus and who realized that can't stop with me. And I can't just just say, hey, I've told other people I'm good. I've done enough. He realized I have to live among people. I have to share this faith in transformative relationships with others. And so Paul heard the Macedonian call, saw God's, God's call upon his life to go out throughout the world and not just preach, but to plant, to pioneer, to grow, to nourish, to nurture. Every church there is and every church there ever was was planted at some point by a pioneer, someone who was developed as a leader and Hopefully he had grown up as a disciple. Yes, there is the need for more new churches, even here in America. We often think, what are you talking about? America is oversaturated with Christian gospel. It's oversaturated with churches. We talk about church on every corner. But America is in, indeed a post-Christian nation. It is a nation that has forgotten its Christian Memory. We are living with spiritual amnesia. It is a new frontier in Christian missions. It is now the third largest mission field in the world. Churches in the third world are sending missionaries to America to re-evangelize this post-Christian nation. The harvest is vast and plentiful. Even around us, even in the Bible Belt, the harvest is ready and waiting, Jesus tells us. It's not over there, and it's not back yonder. It's right here, all around us. Indeed, the need is great, but the grace of God is greater. 
We're in need of new churches, but we're also in need of disciples becoming leaders. Everyone is investing in someone, and someone is investing in everyone. Everyone is following someone, and someone is following everyone. Just as trees don't just sprout up out of the ground without a seed falling and dying, Disciples don't just spring up out of nowhere. They have been invested in. They have been following someone, even if unknowingly. Discipleship doesn't happen in a vacuum. Fruit doesn't just happen. It seems magical when it happens, but there's been a lot of work, a lot of care, a lot of water, a lot of sunlight a lot of warmth, a lot of protecting, a lot of nourishment from the, from the earth. There's been a lot that has gone into that fruit that seems to just magically spring up. And it's, it's not coincidental that Jesus, and all throughout the scriptures really, but Jesus especially is constantly likening the, the work of the kingdom of God and constantly likening the development of spiritual growth to horticultural language and ideas. The seed being crushed and falling to the ground and dying. The seed scattered among the rocks and the thorns and the pathway and the fertile ground. Jesus' word to his disciples that I am the vine and you are the branches My Father wants to bear fruit, much fruit, in your lives and through your lives. I said that we have a need for disciples to become leaders, and leadership is always intentional. Paul didn't just happen to become a missionary, and he didn't just happen to become a world changer. His development as a leader was intentional. Really, the development of what God is doing in all of our lives must be intentional. Not just whether or not we're becoming leaders, but really the work that God wants to do in our lives. We must always intend to let Him do it. We must always will ourselves, not to, to grow, but will ourselves to put ourselves where we can grow. I often mention, you're probably tired of hearing me say it, that if you want a bath, you got to get in the tub. If you want to shower, you got to get where the spigot is. You know, we can't hem and haw over and wring our hands over what God's not doing in our lives when we're not putting ourselves intentionally in the path of what He's doing. Paul is calling the Corinthian believers who have a, a whole heap of of problems of their own. I mean, it's, a, it's probably the poorest example of a local church in all of the New Testament. It ain't got two letters directed to it that are included in the New Testament. But Paul tells them that God is working in you so that He might work through you. He is reconciling you to Himself and be reconciled so that He can discharge you out into the world doing the work in the ministry, preaching the word of reconciliation. And what that requires is not 
not just for disciples to become leaders, but really what that requires is for Christians to become disciples. Wait a minute, Pastor, isn't every Christian a disciple? Well, it doesn't seem as such because we have a lot of people who refer to themselves as Christian. A lot of people who think, well, yes, of course I'm a Christian. Yeah, I'm down with Jesus, who really aren't disciples, who really aren't at the feet of Jesus, who really aren't following where he leads. And all throughout the scriptures, especially to the Corinthians, but, but elsewhere as well, even in the letter to the Hebrews, the scriptures are calling us, chastising us for being babes in the faith, for being so undeveloped and undiscipled and undisciplined that we're still needing to nurse the milk and calling us from babes into what the scriptures call perfection, into fullness, completeness, wholeness, not just like developmental Maturity, not just, oh, a passing of time that'll just naturally occur, but really being transformed into the image of Jesus. And that doesn't happen if you're not spending time with Jesus and with Jesus' homies, if you'll let me use a little street lingo. It's time to grow up in Christ for Christians for those who bear the name for those who've been welcomed into the faith to actually become disciples to grow up from babes to perfection from seeds which if you think about what is a seed it is the work of someone else you know the acorn that's on the ground is the work of that oak tree that stands above it. The tomato seed that you plant into the earth is the fruit of some other tomato plant back in the greenhouse somewhere. The seeds of the gospel have been planted into our lives and we've become little seedling sproutings and God is calling us to grow up in Christ to grow into a full plant to grow from seeds to ourselves bearing self-replicating fruit fruit that contains seeds that can be shared with others again The purpose of fruit being born is not just so that we can have fruit, just as the purpose of us coming together is not just so that we can come together, but so that we can go out. The purpose of the fruit being born is because that fruit contains more seeds that can bear life into other plants and other fruit. The mission is always outward. The work of God is always coming in and going out. As I mentioned earlier, everyone is investing in someone. And someone is investing in everyone. That means someone is invested in your life. And whether you know it or not, you're investing in someone else's life for good or ill. 
Everyone is following someone. And someone is following everyone. The questions before us are, well, who am I following? And what's more, who's following me? To whom am I looking and who's looking to me? Whose eyes are on me? Who is investing in you? Who is investing in me? And in whom are you and I investing? Growth as a disciple is it's not just about taking in. It is about taking in and being spent out. Just as you don't grow strong and muscular by eating more or by drinking protein shakes, you grow strong and muscular by eating more and by drinking protein shakes and working out, hurting yourself, maiming your muscles, exhausting yourself, tearing the protein fibers Growth as a disciple takes both. It takes being invested in by someone else. And it takes investing myself in others. Paul tells the Corinthians in no uncertain terms, do not receive the grace of God in vain. And that is a chilling demand and a chilling warning and a chilling call to people who are Christian, to people who have received the grace of God, who have said, yes, Jesus, I want you in my life. I want my life to belong to you. He says, do not receive the Lord's grace in vain. Well, how is that even possible? Paul tells them, it is possible to receive the grace of the Lord in vain by falling short of the call to holiness. By falling short of the work of God's grace. By by receiving the Lord's grace and then refusing to let it have its way and refusing to let it do its work in our lives. Rather, Paul invites them to let grace run its full course. Allow it to saturate the totality of your heart and of your life. Ridding you of any contaminating sin, any of those toxins, and filling you with God's perfect love. How do we not receive the grace of the Lord in vain? We allow it to do its work in us and through us. It requires both. It's not an either or proposition that God places before us. It is both. Will you trust me to do what I want to do 
in the transformation of your life? And will you trust me to do what I want to do through your life in the lives of others? Because the harvest of your life and the harvest of the fields all around you are white. They are ready. They are teeming with possibility. Let my grace do its complete work in you and through you. To not receive the grace of God in vain, we must surrender ourselves to His work. Surrender ourselves to His to His touch. Surrender ourselves to His healing. Surrender ourselves to His cleansing. Surrender ourselves to His breaking of our wills. May our response to Him be seen perfectly in the song that we're about to stand and sing together. Take my life, Lord. Let it be completely Yours. All of me, everything I have, everything I am, Lord, would you consume it and fill it with your love and use it for your purposes. Father, we pray that you